Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet, the 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com wilderness. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Standard issue for all women. Hi, Hannah here, and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. I am going to keep this intro really short because it's Saturday afternoon. It is hot. And to record this, I've had to turn the fan off and close the windows, and I feel like a dog trapped in a hot car. So just to let you know, for this week's Chops, I went down to the old Vic yesterday to talk to the brilliant Sophie Thompson about Present Laughter, which she is currently appearing in with Andrew Scott and Indira Varma. That is until August the 10th. I will let her explain to you why you should probably go to see it. Until next week. Oh, hey there, people of Canterbury, people near Canterbury, and people with weekend access to Canterbury. We're bloody coming for you, in the nicest possible way, of course. That's right, our next live event is at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury on Sunday the 21st of July, when we're joined by the always excellent Scummy Mummies, Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson, and socio-political powerhouse Kemar Bob for an hour of fierceness and funnies as part of the Marlowe Comedy Festival. It's going to be mint, and you can get tickets via our website, www.standardissuepodcast.com or by going to the What's On section of marlowtheatre.com. Come see us. Let us see you. Yes. Hi, I am here in the Old Vic with author, actor, celebrity master chef winner, environmental activist, woman of many talents, Sophie Thompson. <laughs> Thank Hello. <laughs> that was an amazing <coughs> list, a, a menu. <laughs> you do do a huge variety of stuff. I can't think of any actress that does as much. You do drama, you do comedy, you've done soap operas, you do musicals. Did you choose to have such a varied career or is that just how the, the, the chips fell? Do you know what, Hannah? It, it, how the chips fell. And I, I feel now you've said that out loud... I'm so glad about those chips and I I do sometimes you forget because you're inside of yourself don't you and you're doing what you do and things come your way or they don't and I guess those chips have come my way and is a varied bag and I love that bag and I feel very lucky that it has been that varied I don't know I find it all interesting and challenging for different reasons so some people perhaps they you know they're not they might not want to do a soap it might not attract them as a as a as a a form of storytelling but it 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 does attract me and I really have enjoyed my times on the, the ones that I've done and so yeah I'm 
thank you for pointing that out because oh. I, I forget and then sometimes I think, yeah, thank you, Chips. <laughs> for being so varied. <laughs> well, actually, there's a kind of snobbiness if we're talking about soap operas. There, I think there sometimes is a bit of a snobbiness about it. But I, I saw you being interviewed. I think Piers Morgan was there, so let's try not to think too much about it. Let's not dwell. <laughs> <laughs> but you said it's like that's it's really hard because it's like jumping on a moving bus. It's not like with a theatre where you all arrive at the same time and you all start yeah. together. Yeah, that's a real skill to be able to do that. I don't know about a skill but it's something you realise I mean I remember turning up on my first day on EastEnders and being given the the, the schedule for the day and I, and I thought it was for the week I mean I, and I realised that that was all that day and, and I, I thought right it's amazing you've got to dig deeper than you think like Panto which is another thing that people are quite snobby about but everyone tells me it's the hardest job in show business I bet I, do you know what that I need that chip in my bag. Surely we can make this happen. <laughs> yes, let's let's try. <laughs> so we're here because of a present laughter. Yes. Which is on now. Which is now opened, yeah. Until August the tenth. Theatre is your your main love. It's where I always thought I'd be. I was so vague when I was a little a person but I did a lot of drama and I, I probably did about three drama groups a week and I used to go to the Youth Theatre Association and the British Theatre Association uh, things in, in the summertime and I never really imagined being anywhere else but a theatre I'd grown up with a theatre my parents were in the theatre but then, quite weirdly, when I was 15, I did a telly. It was an adaptation of an Alison Nutley book called A Traveller in Time. And, and even then, I, even having had that relatively early experience in television, I still, you know, ended up going to the Bristol Old Vic, which was completely theatre then. We didn't have any... There was nothing in them days, facilities-wise, and no talk of cameras... Oh, and I went at, you know, worked at the Brislovic a lot, the wonderful Brislovic. Yeah, so that was, I suppose, the soil that I started rootling about in. And then and I, when I did my first film, which was a film called 21, with Patsy Kensit and Jack Shepard, who I'd always admired in the theatre so much. I'd seen masses of his stuff at the National... I was sort of bewildered by the process to a degree. Even though I'd done that telly, as I say, I was quite vague, I think, and vague's not quite the right word, but uh, I think I'm being it now. Um, (laughs) But I didn't... I I, I found it very strange, and, you know, one's always learning. I say to my boys, you know, every day is a school day. I mean, not being a very schooly person, I left school really young. I guess I, I just learned about all that stuff as I went along, I thought, oh, God, it does connect up. It's very yeah. different, um, but it, it, it all connects. <laughs> so, yeah, then, so the potato, I suppose, became the chips. I don't know, I'm trying to carry on that analogy. <laughs> I don't think it's working. <laughs> so what drew you to this adaptation of Present Laughter? Oh, I mean, everything. The script is... The, the, the writing, I didn't really... I've got old, old, old Noel Cow plays on Michelle from when I was at college, but and I've seen them and I've done one as a, a film version, but this play, I'd never 
I'd never come across it, which is odd to me. And uh, I remember reading it one, one night, the night it came on my kitchen table, and I was laughing and thinking, be, feeling so delighted by it. And the fact that it was at the Old Vic, Matthew Rogers was directing, Andrew w- w- was already in it, as it were. I mean, it was a no-brainer to, to me. It was just, I've always wanted to work in this theatre. I went to the Old Vic Youth Theatre, but I've never worked here. So, you know, we used to play about as kids up in the rehearsal room, you know, and, and then, you know, and I've been to so many shows here, but just the way things fall out, I'd just never done a play here. And being here now, it just feels so familiar to me. And it, it's a, it just is such a lovely theatre. It is. Yeah. It is. I came here to see Wise Children just before Christmas and it was just tremendous. Yeah, really. Really. Lovely theatre. Just great production. It was, it was fantastic. Present Laughter is largely amusing on sort of fame and celebrity, isn't it? Yes. And I, I want to ask you, because you, you've been around fame pretty much your whole life, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your parents were yeah. famous. You now and your sister are yeah. famous do you think there's a right way to do fame? <laughs> wow, that's an interesting question. Probably there's um, holistic ways that you can approach anything. I mean, certainly in this play, it's revealed to be what it is to a large degree. Um, it's like spun sugar. So, you you know, when you make candy floss, you can take quite a small amount of sugar and make something very large and very delicious. But actually, it's only a, a small amount yeah. of sugar that's, that's sort of spun. And, and that's what you see Gary, uh, Andrew's character, the central character, which is... I mean, it's Noel Coward was the original pop star as it yeah. were he was described as, as that in his day he was, he was the he was the he, he got paid the most money as a writer in the 30s of, of anybody you know sure all of those people he was up there and so he this play I think is one of his most autobiographical and the Gary Essendine character is ostensibly so much coward and that's what that's a huge part of what the play deals with that that world that, that gets spun and becomes much bigger than than the genuine part yeah. of it is so in a culture of celebrity I, I of that word is so caustic I, I think this play is is fascinating and and, and yes it is it's really funny <laughs> I mean it's it's brilliant uh, I think but um, but it's also you know like everything that's funny it's got it's dark underbelly and that is the the loneliness and the disconnect and being at that the outside edge of, of, of the bit that you know the bit that is flossed and, and losing touch with the authenticity in yourself and in others who are responding to you so I find that whole thing really fascinating and it, it's not just about the person who's in that position of, of fame, it's about the people's responses to them and then what happens in that alchemy and how things get distorted. And so in the end you're in a house of, of mirrors. So yes, I think Gary, you know, they're there's a man who who is also hitting a midlife 
point um, and you know he's been a matinee idol so he's been one of the delicious um, beautiful people and that is a really hard corner he's got people who genuinely love him around him so there's hope <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because you essentially are in a career where fame is a side effect of your career. Yes. But, but fame in itself is sometimes the end goal, isn't it, in, in the sort of the world that we, we yeah. live in now? That is a worry, isn't it? Yeah. Because, like you say, it, it, it really is a, a, an oblique offshoot um, of a, the true trunk of something. But, um, like you say, some people make it the trunk and then it all goes to shit (laughs) now talking of your family you are keeping also keeping up a family tradition of keeping children entertained (laughs) (laughs) because you are also you've written some children's books haven't you yes I have written a couple yes zoo boy yes they're for little people between... Well, you have to be very specific in the children's book area. So mine are between five and seven. That They're in that... when You know, they're yeah. in that bit of the bookshelf. <laughs> how, do, I, how That's quite hard. How would you pitch up five to seven? It is hard. You're right. And I, I... You know, having been brought up by my dad, who... Um, and my mum, obviously, but... Um, who was... They were both involved in children's telly. They both did play school, and then my dad did the magic roundabout. And his whole ethos was the fact that little people were little people, and you didn't talk to them any differently. They were just hadn't been here that you know as long, which you know absolutely that just makes complete sense. So he never sort of made funny noises. He just sort of chatted to them normally, like he would to you, mm. and uh, that's what. It, I, so I did find it hard. So I. Originally, I wrote a story about a boy and a bee and death and things, but they weren't, they weren't having it. <laughs> they were, no, no, they were, no, it's not, it's not. So I, <laughs> so it's really just, it's, a, it's just, they're both little absurd stories about um, uh, a boy who can talk to animals. I find the idea of talking to animals both completely fascinating and utterly terrifying. (laughs) Yes, you're right. I I sometimes think the idea that if my cats could go out of the house and tell people (laughs) about what went on inside my house, that would be the worst possible thing. (laughs) If you could talk to any animal, what would it be? Funny enough, I was at Hampstead Ponds today and I was talking to a heron, but he he didn't talk back. He just looked really appalled. (laughs) But the birds, oh my God, the birds... I, I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with birds at the moment and I'm feeding them in my garden. I've got a flock of goldfinches. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they do it in flocks. I mean, they do their thing in flocks, so suddenly you get a flash of them and it's just... Wow. I was in America recently and I saw a hummingbird for oh. the first time and it was it was amazing. It's I mean, it's really not much bigger than a bee. It's small. Yeah, but it's... It, yeah, it's crazy. Going about his business. And they put out those little liquid feeders for that's them, don't they? they? Yeah, that's why a friend of mine was trying to encourage it to the house so we could all see one, so she put one of those out so we would be able to see it. Amazing. Um, you've also, this month or in the last, no, probably last month, we also saw you in Ghosts. Yes. Which has been renewed for a second series. Oh, is good. It, is it too, oh, so I was going to say, is it too soon to see whether Bunny will be back? <laughs> I think she might have to be in rehab. 
And that was lovely. And that was actually through um, Simon, one of the brilliant team, because Simon I worked with him on direct yeah. Detectorists, and he said, would you come and be drunk? And I went, I'd love that with you lot, because you're all so clever. And, you know, my, my boys were brought up on, well, many things, but Horrible Histories was yeah. one of them. So I've just been fans of all of them for, for years. So I was like, I, I was very keen to get along and just be a little part of of anything that they did and that was lovely but I'm, I'm really happy to hear that I yeah. thought it was great what a brilliant idea yeah I loved it and what I, I particularly loved about it is I have a nephew he's 13 and he grew up with horrid histories and yeah. now there's something there's a bit more grown up that yeah. he and I can watch together and yeah. really enjoy and I think they've really hit that sort of market of things that you watch with your parents which yeah. are vanishingly rare programs like that I think you're right yeah because anybody could watch that yeah yeah you're right I love that an ageless quality to it yeah yeah and it's absurd and I love the absurd now you mentioned Detectorists I wanted to talk to you about Detectorists which is just absolutely fantastic completely I want to talk about one scene in particular in Detectorists that um, you're in I actually watched it again on the train coming to this interview and it's just it actually made me well up it's so incredible it's the scene where you and Toby Jones mm. are outside in a pub garden mm. talking about his daughter, mm. who he, oh, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Detectorist, mm-hmm. who he knows, he know, he knows she's existed, mm. but he's never met her, and then he meets her, and he and Lance and Sheila are outside, and she, he says to her, he says to Sheila, I, I never really thought about how much I thought about her until mm. I met her. And Sheila says, and I actually wrote it down, she has one sentence which is, yes, imagining every day what they must be doing now and what they must look like. Mm. And she doesn't say anything else. And yet, suddenly, everything about Sheila's life becomes clear in that sentence that, mm. you know, obviously, Sheila has had a baby that, mm. that she was made to give away. And, I, just, I mean, it's just, honestly, it's one of my... I mean, you do drama and you do comedy, and it's a perfect mix of both of, of those things. Mm. And I just wondered, is that is that something that you saw in the script? Is that something Mackenzie Crook said to you, this is how we want to play it? Well, I mean, he, he wrote it, and I guess with good writing, you, you're given the way in, and then he directed it as well, so... He's an incredibly sensitive personality, as you can imagine, with his work and the way he writes. And I was so happy to be Sheila and so happy to be a part of that endeavour because that was something I've, I just, again, responded to that script and thought, oh, golly, when I went in to meet him, I, I just was hoping so hard that I could do it. Yeah, I we did, I think, now talk a little, but in very... Uh, I think we both knew we were thinking along the same line and whatever I, I had thought about Sheila correlated in some way with what he had thought about her too because she was, um, yes, uh, <laughs> rather... Um, an unusual lady, and I loved her for that. But suddenly, everything made sense. I think Did in, it? in that in that's, that that's great sentence that you yeah. just thought, "Oh, I know Sheila." <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did explain a lot to me 
that I hoped I'd sort of known and brought to Sheila. Oh no, she's tremendous. Honestly, I genuinely think the detectorist and Sheila in particular is tr- absolutely tremendous Thanks. piece of work. Thank you. That's well, so nice to know. Can I ask what's up next for you? Oh, I don't know for sure, but I, something that's coming out soon that I just finished before we started this actually, which I'm very excited to be a part of again, is a thing by Mae Martin, who's a brilliant stand-up comedian. Obviously, you know. <laughs> well, I didn't know her work, I'm ashamed to say, and I cribbed up and watched her and just thought, wow, this one was remarkable. And I read the script and they were... Again, it's very rare, and it was in the same week or fortnight that I got present laughter. You know, it's very rare. I mean, not very rare, but it's not... I'm not... It doesn't happen that often that there's a week where you, you, you're presented with such good work and you're, you've got a chance to be a part of it. Yeah. You've got to celebrate those weeks. <laughs> Again, I was like, oh, God, please, I want to do this very much. Um, love to work with this woman and with these scripts. So... It's got a, it's in a working title form at the moment, and I'm not quite sure what it's going to be called, which is deeply unhelpful, but it does come out at the end of August on E4. It's an eight-part... It's very autobiographical, um, really, again, um, like this play, strangely. Perhaps that's what makes them so brilliant, the people who wrote them have plugged into profound yeah. truths that they understand because they've lived them, because May's piece is about love and addiction and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, she's got a remarkable young woman. She's just brought out a book, apparently, all about sex when you're younger and stuff like that and all the path that's written about it. And I, uh, you know, I said, oh, crikey, I wish I'd had that book. I can't wait to read uh-huh. it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that comes out. The working title was Us, but it, I don't think it'd be called that one, May and George. But it's brilliant, and actually Charlotte, um, who's in Ghosts, is also in it being brilliant, playing her love. So I've got to work with all these incredible uh, young people on that show, and lots of comedians. So yeah. there's some, it's a mixture of um, uh, actors and, and, and stand-up people that she, you know, that, that May works with. Talking of autobiographical, do you think you've got an autobiography in you? <laughs> is that something that you, you think you would, you would enjoy doing? Oh my golly. If I would got to be really elderly and I could still hold a pen. I mean, that is the dream, isn't it? Yeah, that is the dream. <laughs> Do we all have the same one yeah. ostensibly? Yeah. Just don't go blind and slow your mind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, a pen and a big pad and, yeah. you know, your marbles. And then you could go, oh, yeah, well, I could write a story. Talk about the old days. <laughs> yeah, that would be lovely to think I could in yeah. a camper van. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Sophie. It's been so nice to meet you. It's been lovely. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. Standard issue for all women.